Welcome everyone to the Daily Covfefe on Unsafe Space. Today is Tuesday, September 10th, and I am Carter, and I'm joined, as always, by the bad man Jamma, Carrie Smith. Hey, Carrie. Hi, Carter. How's life? Good. How's your cat? The cat <laughs> pooped again on something it was not supposed to, and its cuteness is going down precipitously. <laughs> And I think your s- prediction is incorrect. I think you're going to, I know I said, I said, give it what, three months, three months. I don't know how many months you said, but yeah. Anyway, yes, I'm the disciplinarian who has to tell the cat to not poop on the carpet. So that's my job in the house now. How's your life? <laughs> Any dogs uh, pooping where they shouldn't be? Cause people love talking about animal poop. Oh uh, No, but my, you know, my elderly dog, the incontinent one, mm. every there's always something. I don't know how our subscriber numbers aren't going up faster with this kind of dialogue. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Let's talk about disgusting stuff. Um, thanks for liking and sharing, by the way. Uh, Carrie, I wanted to talk about something that's um, going around. There's like a little, it's only a, a minute long uh, clip, but it's going around about this study out of Cornell, maybe I should just play a portion of it. I don't want to play the whole thing because we'll likely get copyright infringement uh, strikes against us. But let me play play this little clip here. This is the Ivy League version of I Don't Want No Scrubs. (laughs) This is a real study that was done through (laughs) Cornell University that said a shortage of economically attractive men. There's not enough men who are economically attractive. That may be one of the reasons why marriage is on the decline. Now, marriage is at its lowest in about 150 years in America, the marriage rate. Uh, Now, what do they mean by economically unattractive? They said it's somebody who either doesn't have a bachelor's degree, so that's prospects, or a stable job making $40,000 a year or more. Uh, they said one reason might be education. Uh, the lead author said, this is a rough quote, many young men today have little to bring to the marriage bargain. And he talked about how women are going to school more because they want to you know, bring more to the table to get better jobs. So that's the study, Carrie. Um, it's out of Cornell. They're talking about this studies called mismatches in the marriage market. And the study basically says, they, they basically looked at uh, marriage, recent marriages and, and who women were marrying and then kind of constructed a, this is the kind of guy women want to marry thing, like a prototype. And then, or, you know, an example, and then looked out at the, the nation and said, well, how many men kind of fit the, these qualities, have these qualities. Um, and and they concluded that, well, a lot of, uh, I guess they called it a synthetic husband that they developed, the synthetic husbands. Um, but the synthetic husband had an average, this is from the study, the synthetic husbands have an average income that's about 58% higher than the actual unmarried men that are currently available to unmarried women. Uh, they're also 30% more likely to be employed and 19% more likely to have a college degree. So... How does, first of all, Carrie, how, how does this whole thing strike you? Well, I'm trying to remember what book I was reading, who was talking about the declining. There's something I was reading about how women tend to want to marry up um, and men tend to marry 
not down necessarily, but they don't, they're not looking as often for an intellectual equal or a, yes. or a money or somebody who's equal when it comes to how much they're bringing home financially. Whereas a woman is typically looking for someone who's either equal intellectually and financially bringing home as much, if not more women, women are looking for someone up and men are sometimes they're willing to, to partner with someone who's not making as much money or who maybe is not on the same uh, level as them intellectually. And so if you have all these women who are now making bank and we know the wage gap is a myth, um, right? maybe some of our viewers don't, but um, I still have friends and people I talk to every day who believe in the wage gap, but it's not, it's not a real thing. If you take, when they talk about the wage gap, they lump in all women. They lump in women who have taken 20 years off to raise kids and they're now coming back to the workforce without having all those stepping stones to get a higher salary, right? Without all that work experience. They're lumping in women who are working part-time and they're, they're just putting everyone in there. But if you look at women, single women who've never married, who've gone straight into their career and not taken a break from it, they actually make more than single men. Yeah. So, yeah. If you control for what jobs they're doing, how much they work, whether or not they've taken time off, yeah, there is no wage gap, but people don't like to hear that. Um, I don't carry, I guess, so the implicit assumption here is that, so you said something interesting. You said uh, like men, men have like lower standards in some way. I don't, I'm putting words in your mouth sort of, but it was kind of what you were saying. They have like, they're willing yeah. to marry down. Yeah. And I'm, it's not necessarily lower standards. Their standards are higher in other areas. Cause we've talked about the whole age thing, you know, men yes. typically are looking for a partner who is uh, not always, but they marry younger and, you know, and yeah. so younger women aren't not necessarily going to be on their level financially or um, experience wise or anything right. else. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think what you're seeing is a couple of things. One is um, men, it's interesting that you, we use this language, right? Because it typically from the socialist feminist circles, they, they rail against capitalism and they, they accuse men of like just being greedy, going after money all the time. And there are some men who for them, money is the only thing that matters. And, and that's absolutely true. And those are the people that tend to rise to the top and be CEOs of billion dollar companies. But they're, they've taken the standard and they apply it they apply it in the way that they talk about things. So even just now you're like, well, they're, they're marrying down, blah, blah, blah. It's like, men don't necessarily value everything with respect to money. One of the reasons that one of the motivations for males to have money is women. It's to have a family and it's to, it's to land a woman because a lot of women do indeed go after more economic value. They want stability generally because Typically, women are looking to have someone who can be support them in being a mom or raising a family. They want economic stability, and therefore, wealth is attractive. And but guys don't measure women. Guys measure women by basically their looks and youthfulness. Like those are the. They, I'm not saying they should, right? I think there are other things. And having been a guy who'd been mistakes uh, in that direction in the past, it took a while to realize. Oh. I need to be with someone who I want to have a conversation with when I'm 90 and old and wrinkly and she's ugly because that's like, eventually she'll be ugly because everyone will be ugly eventually. So like realizing that like there's more to this partnership than just hotness, right? But 
you know, the average guy, hotness is a big, big factor. It's just, it's looks. And so women are willing to marry down in terms of looks if they're marrying up in terms of economic status. And men are willing to marry up in terms of looks, but down in terms of economic or even intellectual status. The guys, I remember Stefan Molyneux talking about this once. Guys, guys will check out the, the cashier at the supermarket and, and be like, and seriously have a dialogue in their head that like, oh, she's kind of hot. She could be, I could, I could marry her. Like, like that dialogue happens in their head. Women never have that. Like, <laughs> like oh, he's good marriage material. The bagger at the, gro- the grocery store. It's a different standard that, that we're applying. And so one thing that I think it's interesting about the study is at least they're being blatant and open about what the standard is for women. The standard is for women largely economic, often. And I don't think that should be the only standard. You really should be finding someone who has shared values and can uh, you know, be an intellectual partner with you throughout life. But you know, yeah, economic value is important to, to women and men's sexual market value is largely dependent on their finances rather than their looks, whereas women's is largely dependent on their looks often for most people. So the question I go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, well, what do you make of this? Because I saw this going around recently talking about how on dating sites, can you see this? Um, Yes. I was thinking about this actually. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I've seen this going around for a while. These statistics that say, oh, so on dating sites, men, they're at the top. That's how men rate women. Um, and so with notice is a a pretty even bell curve. Look at that. It's, it's beautiful mathematically. It's 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 almost a perfect curve. It's a perfect curve. So least attractive and most attractive each are 6%, you know, and then for people listening, the, then the curve goes up to 16%, 18%. It peaks at 20%. Most, so most of the women are right in the middle average, average attractiveness, um, a little, then it goes down to 19%, 15% and then 6% 6% most attractive. So a perfect bell curve. Look at how women rate men on dating sites. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, 0% are most attractive. Yeah, it's a ski slope. This is a ski slope. It's uh, 20, it starts off at least attractive. 27% of men, on they rate 27% of men least attractive. 31% are just a little bit slightly less attractive. And then it just goes down from there. 23 percent, 12 percent, 5 percent, 2 percent, 0 percent most attractive. Well, I mean, look at that. The top three categories, most attractive, slightly less than most attractive, and one step down from that, have a total of 7 percent. Their median, their, their, their midline is, is only 12 percent. Their, their average, they only think 12 percent of men are averagely attractive. 12 percent of men on dating sites are average looking and all the rest are less attractive. And you can add that up actually 12 plus five plus two, right? So we're talking 19% of men are to the right of, of average on this curve. So if you're not in that night, that means, you know, if you look, if you think about that, that means 81% of men are below average attractiveness to women on, on, and these are, these are sites like, okay, Cupid. I think, I think mostly though, they're, they're measuring looks. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing. It's probably multiple variables for this, but of course it is. But like here, they even say maybe maybe men are rating based on looks, and women are rating based on whether or not they think the men would make a good mate. Um, you know, maybe they're hesitant to rate a man highly because they know that that would trigger the dating site to send that man a message. 
letting them know. I don't think that's as much of a factor. Anyway, I just thought this was interesting. I, I also think yeah. I've heard people say that um, they think this is because, or I've heard a, a friend of mine, she, she has this hypothesis that, that social media has made, has turned us all into narcissists, but women especially into narcissists and um, that women overrate their own attractiveness. Yes, that, that is, yes, I think that's been shown. Women massively overestimate their own attractiveness and massively, uh, well, let's say very harshly criticize the attractiveness of men. There's like the 10% of male, males that are in the top categories that get most of the access to women and the other 90% are all trash as far as most women are concerned. Um, but I mean, I, I want to get back to this, this, this thing where they're saying, okay, the, the reason that marriage rates are, are declining is economically unattractive men. That might be true. The question that I immediately ask is like, why are there economically unattractive men? And I, I, if I look at it and have some empathy for young men today, first of all, like I said earlier, family, like a lot of the motivation for becoming economically attractive is to attract a mate. Like if you know you're going to be single, guys can live out of a car and shower at the gym as long as they've got access to a PlayStation or whatever. Like they don't, if they're, if they're not going to build a family, a lot of guys just don't give a crap about a lot of like having a lot of money. Some do, some do, but some just don't care. And if you think about this generation of, of men they grew up, if you look at, um, you know, let's, let's look at the divorce rates. If we look at the divorce rates in the U.S., they peaked actually in, I'll say, the 80s, and they're pretty high throughout the 80s into the 90s. And they've kind of, they, they might have gone down after that. I'm not totally sure. I think I'll need to find another graph. But a lot of these guys grew up, and they saw their dads utterly, their lives utterly destroyed, utterly devastated by divorce because divorce law, family court is a farce. The idea that there's any justice in a family court is laughable. Um, it's extremely anti-dad and anti-male. And so if the mom decides to get divorced, um, she can really do a number on the dad. And a lot of, I think a lot of these guys have saw their dads just become broken men at the hands of a a, you know, bitter mom for whatever reason. And I'm not blaming the mom on the destruction of the marriage. It may be both were involved in the destruction of the marriage, but the outcome because of the divorce laws and because of how uh, custody and economic value is assigned is just devastating for guys. It's devastating. So you end up with these guys who, you know, the 45 year old guy living in a, in a one bedroom apartment, you know, scraping by to, to pay for the mom who's who got the house and the kids you know kid guys grow up and see that and they're like I don't I don't want any part of that and then on top of that they're in this toxic masculinity culture they're in a culture where a lot of women dateable age and marryable age are they grew up in this this environment in which they view men as broken women and they view masculinity as toxic and so I look as a guy who, you know, I was, I haven't dated, you know, super recently, but it's, it's hard to find women who are actually not anti-male in the world, especially if you're in a major city, there's just, there's just a, it's, in, it's infected with anti-male feminism, not the good kind of feminism where 
people should be equal, treated equally, right? But the bad kind of feminism in which men are just viewed as toxic and the problem for everything. And no one wants, you know, you look at that and you think, is that who I want to be with for the next several decades of my life? It's, that's, it's just unattractive. And you combine that with what you were just showing, which is dating sites. You've now got Tinder and Bumble. And the, re, you know, the reason that men became presentable, made a lot of money, tried to be attractive to women was because to get access to regular sex, you needed a relationship. But you don't need that anymore. You know, when, when you're on Bumble, no well, one is I'm, I'm judging gonna, how much money you make. I'm going to interrupt for a second because um, this, there's another study about this. Because when you said we were going to talk about this topic, I was just looking up some stuff. And there yeah. was a, last year, there was a um, sociologist, Mark Regeneres. Now, this guy's a conservative. So, of course, this study and his hypothesis is different. But his, right. his, he was basically arguing that marriage rates are on the decline because of cheap easy access to sex. Well, that's kind of partly what I'm saying with Tinder and Bumble. Yeah, that, that's, that's what that's, I mean. Yeah, it, and, which is, look, you know, if you have that access as a guy, it's pretty easy to get sex on Tinder and Bumble, no strings attached. You could have sex with a different person every night if that's what you wanted to do. And if you're already shy about marriage and you're already, you know, surrounded by women that you think, nah, I don't really know if they're a good wife material. I don't want to be hitched with this person financially and legally for decades. And I can get sex just by, you know, opening up Bumble. Well, what's the incentive to become economically attractive? I, I think for a lot of guys, there's just no incentive. I think that's part of the whole makedown movement is just like, let's, Let's hang out in our basements and play video games because there's no, we don't care. We don't want a family, so we don't care about financial success. We're not trying to build anything. You hear time and time again in the, in the olden days, you know, like I just watched this video, Carrie, of, uh, I, this is going to sound like a non sequitur, but uh, this guy making, what was it? Porchetta in Italy. It was like the best porchetta maker in Italy. One of our viewers sent it to me. It looks delicious. But the guy's telling, his, his, like, there's a picture of his grandfather on the wall, and he's telling the story. And the story, you hear the story a lot. The grandfather was running around being a butcher for farmers because they didn't know how to butcher pigs. But he got married and, he, and had the kids, and he was like, oh, I guess I have to be a provider for my kids. I guess I should start a business. And they started this business, and now the business has grown, and it's been handed down for two generations or whatever. But... Uh, that the incentive for a lot of guys is family. And if you take that away, what's the, why bother to become attractive? Well, that's what marriage is. is it's a partnership to, it's not just to have a, so we, I think we often, too often in our modern culture, we just think of like the romantic part of marriage. Like, oh, this is my life partner. And right. this is a person who's going to be everything to me, which itself is, an impossible thing uh, to, to have someone else be everything. But, um, but we don't think about like, I think, I think people used to think about marriage more in terms of a partnership to create a stable environment to have children. Yes. Right. And to raise kids and to do what is arguably the most important thing you could do, which is to raise healthy, well-adjusted humans. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think we've kind of divorced it from, from having like procreating <laughs> and uh, and then we've also divorced sex from marriage and even from relationships. And yeah. so 
yeah, it's like an a la carte thing. You can just go on Tinder and hook up. Although what's funny now is I love how everything comes full circle. So kind of like the way that the, the Me Too movement and the um, SJW third wave feminist movement has now come full circle where um, they're, it's almost like they're, they're encouraging people to be, to, to like, like asking a woman out for a drink is seen, is seen as sexual harassment. They're encouraging people almost like to be prudes in a way, you know, it's almost like they're conservative in some way or like, you know, men don't want to go out as like with a woman, a single woman, they may not want to go out with a single woman uh, on a business meeting because who knows what that woman might say about what you did to her later. Like we're in this place now where it's kind of things are, things Suddenly are just, you understand all those weird Victorian rules about keeping the door open and one foot on the floor. When you're, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, I, where was I going with that? So, so there was this New York times op-ed uh, that came out a while ago with this SJW third wave feminist who basically was arguing that she, we should expand the definition of consent because she did not consent to be ghosted. And she was complaining because she met a man on Tinder for <laughs> a la carte sex, which is what, you know, she, she did swipe, whatever way you swipe. And he yep. came over and she, in the article, she was making fun of him because along the way he kept asking for consent every step of the way. Can, is it okay if I take your bra off? Is it okay if I do this? Is it okay? And, and in the piece, she's making fun of him. Like, yes, I basically asked you over here for sex. You can just consider it blanket consent. Okay. Right. Quit. So she's kind of insulting him for doing what people she's like her teaching him to do. Right? Yes. Which people like her have instructed men to young men, men to do. And then by the end of the article, she's complaining because all he wanted was sex and he, ended up like not dating her and becoming her true love or whatever. And so she, she, by the end, she was arguing that our definition of consent isn't enough because she didn't consent to be dumped, to being dumped. Right. <laughs> like <Right>. what? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I remember that. It's, it's like uh, you, you support this kind of sex, a la carte sex. You support this and you're on board with this and you're on board with divorce, divorcing it from relationships, right. And having it separate but then you want to complain that it's separate and that it's divorced from relationships and that this guy shouldn't be able to dump you. Right. What was that narcissism you were talking about earlier? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I, you know, uh, just a note to young women out there who are frustrated and maybe feel like they can't find economically viable, economically attractive guys. Maybe there are a dwindling, let's assume the study's correct. There's a dwindling number of, of, of economically attractive guys. Well, that means you've got to make yourself more attractive if that's what you want. And uh, my advice to you is to offer more than sex. I mean, you've got these women, young women generally, running around with basically no intellectual content or values other than I'm hot, I know a bunch of celebrity gossip, uh, I've memorized some NPC tropes I can throw at you. There's nothing deep here. Uh, but I'm sexually available and I'm I'm hot. That's not enough for a guy who's economically successful and knows what he wants. Bring something else to the table. Make yourself a better person. Make your value not about your hotness. Make your value about your 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 mind and your values and the kind of person you are. That's the way to attract the kind of people that 
you know, if, if you're out, you know, if you're not out for that kind of relationship, great, enjoy it. You know, let's hope that you're not sad in your mid forties because you never found a guy, but that could be fine for you. Maybe that's what you want. But if you're, if you're looking for economically attractive men, if you're wanting that stability, you've got to be more than hot. You've got to be way more than hot. You've got to be attractive as a person. And I think one of the, one of the byproducts of this Tinder and Bumble thing is that young men and young women don't know how to be attractive to the opposite sex for anything other than a one night stand. And that's basically just physical. Yeah, I totally agree. Your mind should be hot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I also think a lot of these women just don't want to get married right now either. At least in the, the world I was in, they didn't. I think that's true. Marriage I think that's true. Valued. Um, and I saw someone say this recently that it used to be, uh, what was it? Like dating, marriage, and then sex, right? And now it's like sex, <laughs> dating, <laughs> and then maybe marriage. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and the fertility rates have been have been dropping in the U S I think there was a lull in the, like the seventies or eight, early eighties or something like that. And it picked up a little bit, but it's been dropping again. And so, you know, I think it, we were also being told Carrie, I mean, you know, this both women and men, but especially women are being told having kids isn't important. In fact, from a, you know, environmentalist social standpoint, we should not have children. Uh, again, this is the mindset we talked about the other day, leftists view children as uh, long-term burdens are just burdens generally. And I think people who um, are, are more independent and individual minded view children as, yeah, they're short-term burdens. Absolutely. But long-term, the value of a child is, you know, you, you raise another uh, rational, well-adjusted child and add them to the world. They're not a net loss to the world. It's not that they have to like, you don't calculate their value by figuring out how many resources they're going to use and what their carbon footprint is going to be. They might cure cancer. They might solve amazing, like they, people, people are amazing contributors to our standard of living. If you raise them properly, kids are, you know, long-term kids are a really valuable asset. It's just in the short term, uh, you know, in the short term, they are, they are a burden financially and in a few other ways, but we have a culture where we're just telling everyone, you know, no more children. Uh, people are, humans are bad. We don't want more humans on the planet. Don't have more kids. And unfortunately, Carrie, it tends to be the higher IQ people that fall for this crap. Uh, they're the ones who yeah. consider themselves woke and are not having kids. You know, I was thinking back to all my friend, friends from science and math school. Um, so it was like, it was a, you have to, you have to get in like college, you have to do a whole entrance exam and all that. But once you get in, it's state funded. You live there for 11th and 12th grade. And it was more rigorous than where, where I went to college eventually. Um, which by the way, wasn't a bad college. It was Duke. Right. Which was a good school. <laughs> yeah. But the science and math high school was tough. And, um, and so there were, I, I was just, I was blessed to be around like a lot of really brilliant women. And um, I was thinking about how many of us went on to have kids and how many of us didn't. It's just, I don't know. It's just interesting. Well, what is the like, well, roughly among, ratio? I don't know what the ratio would be because I know quite a few who did have children, but like my core group of friends who I still meet up with pretty regularly, um, none of us have kids. 
That's like five of us. None of us have kids. Do you wish you had had kids earlier? Um, or no? I mean, I guess I, I do. That's a hard question for me to answer because I don't, I think everything happens. I'm one of those people that thinks everything happens for a reason. So, uh, and it's kind of cheesy, but, but I don't like, yes, it is difficult now at 40 to decide at this age, Oh, I would like to have children. Um, and then, you know, and, and like we talked about a lot of men, my age are looking for younger women to have right. to marry and have kids with. And so, yeah. If you look at the age gap between partners and relationships, it's pretty small in the early twenties, like a year or less. But as you get up into the forties, the age gap gets to be four or five years uh, yes. on average. And I think that is a, that is a direct result of, you know, when you're look when, when what you value in men is economic stability, well, the older men are a little bit more stable generally. And what you're valuing is in, in women is fertility and youth and, and looks well, we all know that, you know, looks are generally women are better looking when they're younger. There's a few actresses that I don't know, plastic surgery and some cool meditation has maybe made them timeless, but in general, uh, that's what you end up with. So I, that age gap makes it make sense. Yeah. Once again, I'm reminded of the movie Idiocracy. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> a real thing. Yeah. The declining child, child rates or uh, uh, childbirth rates, especially among, um, more intelligent people. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> because, because they, because the more intelligent people are going to college and getting indoctrinated into this, this filth of anti-human don't have kids, blah, blah, blah. And you've got the, the people who don't go to college and can't afford to college, go to college. They just have tradition to fall back on. And traditionally people got married and had a lot of kids. And so, you know, the, the, the birth rates in, a lot of so actually, even though the U.S. birth rate is declining uh, overall, I, ha I haven't looked at this, but I'm 100% sure of this because I did look at this for Europe, and I'm sure it's the same. Uh, the kind of native population of the U.S. versus the immigrant population, it, the native population is falling much more precipitously. Their birth rates, and it's the immigrant higher birth rates that tend to prop up. Uh, the birth rate overall. Oh, in Europe, that's definitely, I've seen the stats on that in Europe. That's why, yeah. what was that one country, there's one country that's offering uh, like lifetime uh, tax, like women, basically if you have more than two kids, they're saying you don't have to pay taxes ever again. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. What country is that? I don't know. I hadn't heard of this. Maybe I should move. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Carrie, I found this article in the Washington Post that says, Hungary is so desperate for kids that mothers of four won't need That's to it. pay income tax. That's it. Sorry. It was four kids, four kids or more. And it's Hungary. Yeah. Wow. But it's the mothers. What about the father? Like, does the family not pay income tax? Because if the mom's not working, she doesn't pay income tax anyway. And I don't know how you have a full-time job with four kids unless you're having someone else raise them. I don't know. I don't know. I, can you imagine, I Carrie, to, by the way? I think Sorry, she has to be married. I think oh, she's she has married, and so it's like a family thing. Okay. Well, can you imagine? I mean, I, I think the Cornell study is probably accurate. I, I just wonder what the reaction would be from the mainstream media if Cornell did a study that said uh, marriage rates are declining because the physical attractiveness of women is there's not enough that are physically attractive. Uh, <laughs> there's, there aren't enough physically attractive women. Uh, they're getting uglier, so 
this is the problem. Because they're making them, by the way, there are a lot of people in the SJW world make themselves ugly. Have you seen that website where they have pictures of women before yes. and after Marxism? It's like before Marxism, after Marxism. Yes. It, there does seem to be a concerted <laughs> effort to, to make yourself unattractive to the opposite sex or maybe anyone. I don't know. But maybe a conversation for another day. Carrie, uh, anything else before we, we sign off? Go forth and be fruitful. And, and multiply. multiply. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thank you for, please, thank you for watching. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, share. You can go to unsafespace.com to donate. Um, that, there's a link there to our subscribe star. You can also donate with Bitcoin. You can also buy merchandise, which makes Carrie very happy. She likes when you buy merchandise. So if you care Somebody. about Carrie, go buy merch. Uh, and I guess that's it. Thanks for watching. If you can't support us financially, please like and share uh, and subscribe. Anything helps. Thanks, guys.